Welcome to the Next in Time podcast, where we explore the fascinating depths of how people have the potential of impacting the world with the mission and vision of their project. Join us on this audio journey as we uncover the hidden gems of one's vision, delve into thought-provoking discussions of why they're pursuing it, and see how they're going to make an impact. If you're a curious person, this podcast is your go-to destination. Welcome to the Next in Time podcast. I'm your host, ST, and today our guest is William Yeske, or you can call him Will. He is a combat veteran who served 11 years in the U.S. Army. He is the author of the book, Damn the Valley, and he's also someone who is looking to help out small businesses with marketing. You know, who has helped, he has helped out these businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. So, Will, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm uh, glad you're able to, you know, have this very distinguished career and be able to come on and talk about that. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know about distinguished, but uh, I know the, the book gets into that end of things. That year was definitely uh, in the weeds for sure. <laughs> yeah, so it's true that you, like right now you were a combat veteran who served in the army. You served in Afghanistan. Could you tell me more? Tell us more about that experience. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I joined up military in 2008, uh, later March. And uh, that was already, I was already a little older. Um, that was at 26. So by the time we hit Afghanistan, 28, been through a little bit of uh, training at the time, just due to how the pipeline and stuff goes in the military. You go through your, your basic training and then... Um, my particular contract went through airborne school. So for somebody who's afraid of heights, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane was a interesting hurdle to uh, <laughs> to do, but um, you gotta throw yourself out of your comfort zone, you know? And then from there, it was moving forward to uh, Fort Bragg at the time to uh, start the um, special forces, well, not the Q course, but to go attend SFAS. So they so, have a, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, what made you want to join the military? So I had kind of always wanted to join. Uh, I had done the ASFAB and stuff earlier on in life. But, so out of high school, I was going to gonna join the Marines. My cousin had been in. Um, he actually missed the Gulf War by like a day, strangely enough. the, the His ship rotated out and the next ship came in. Um, and then the next day, the war was on. So it was, uh, he was kind of disappointed on that end, but, um, I had taken, well, taken the ASVAB test for that and they wanted me as a satellite, uh, like an on-ground satellite technician or operator. Right. And knowing what I know now, it would have probably just been the same job. You know, you have your radio can on the ground and you're bouncing it off satellites to, uh, gain comms. <laughs> but, um, I ended up getting talked out of it. And parents were like, hey, look, we are not really, uh, we're not really about this, this military thing, but if you do, we'll pay for your college. And if you do college and you still want to join up as an officer after we're all about it. So I was like, okay. And they knew what was going to happen. The inevitable, uh, <laughs> met a, met a girl, you know, and started moving on life towards that. Um, never fr finished college the first time around, which, uh. You know, but that's why you joined the military. 
that it was really a reset button. Um, we, you know, she left. I was heartbroken at the time, and I started going down this path of it. It just wasn't a healthy path. Um, a lot of partying, a lot of uh, just trying to not deal with with life. And I knew that I needed some discipline, and I needed to um, kind of reset myself. And I was like, you know what? What better way to do it? Uh, I I don't have forever on this. So I started looking in the military and wanted to go in as a Green Beret. Yeah, I got it. And so in a way, because, you know, I've, I think when I was younger, I wanted to uh, be part of the military, especially in high school. But then there was this one person just kept saying, don't go, don't join the military because we're, we're against war. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, really, I, I actually had a little bit of the same thing there. Um, I had an older gentleman in the neighborhood that I was living in at the time. His name was Calvin Bench. And... Uh, I told him, you know, hey, I'm looking at looking at leaving. It was just, uh, it was an older guy down the street. I helped him out with walking his dog a few times. He had some hip surgery, and a friend of mine had, you know, asked me. But he would tell me, he's like, no, don't join the military. You're gonna hate it. The army sucks and stuff. And uh, when I finally got the date, you know, I told him, I was like, yeah, so I'm probably leaving around this date. So you're not gonna really see me anymore, Cal. And you know, keep in touch though our talks have been great and he does this full 180 on me he's like you're gonna love it I'm like, what what are you talking about said, well let me tell you something it's like i was uh i was sog mac v back in vietnam which is i mean mac v was um that's the whole green berets rangers cia type stuff operating out of uh, cambodia and laos they weren't even in vietnam that was all that secret war stuff and he started giving me a little bit of a rundown. He's like, I just wanted to see if you're going to stick with it. He's like, you're going to freaking love it. I couldn't believe it. Like he just like kind of pulled the wool over my eyes the whole time and was just running a psyop campaign on me. <laughs> and so in a way, what was your life like before you joined the military growing up? Growing up, I grew up in a small little New England town um, right in Litchfield County. There's 8,000 people, a uh, town by the name of Thomaston. So um just nestled there a lot of good twisty back roads and stuff and i grew up with a love for love for cars um and went from starting out detailing them they washing them and stuff to actually driving them and getting up getting up beyond some of the tracks and everything i went from um yeah started out with bmw uh doing some of the pit crew stuff with one of the teams up there with a business and then went into Subaru and was doing professional rally circuit with Rally America, PGT class. Um, so it was, it was a very different life in the military, <laughs> for sure. It's uh, it's more like, okay, you made, you got that, you made the choice when you were younger. It's like, I gotta, jo I wanna join the military, go take part in it, and then, but then you were stationed in Afghanistan from 2009 to, 2000, to 2010. Um, I believe you, based on the book that you've written, Damn the Valley, that's, uh, it's all about the story of how you're able to navigate through these rough terrains and these com the various different forms of, uh, combat fighting. So to, to, to tell, tell me more about that. So really it was two sides, um, there, we got to experience almost what you would see as a typical deployment down in Helmand province. That's where we started out. So we were slated to go to Iraq in 2009. But um, we had orders come down, executive orders from President Obama to where it was, uh, we had that troop surge in Afghanistan. Yeah. 
um, for 2010. And that's kind of what we were 2009 and 10 part of. So we got rerouted to Afghanistan instead of Iraq. And I was actually happy about that end um, initially because I was like, ah, I don't want to do this urban, you know, um, building to building type fight and everything. And they were, they had just been started really the uh, EFP uh, IEDs and stuff are really on a big uptick. So that's um, the vehicle IEDs. They can blow through whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no armor that's going to stop an EFP. Um, so I was like, all right, Afghanistan, we got some standoff. We got a little bit better of a, a chance of survival out there. And Helmand province ended up being, um, I mean, really just a lot of this desert and a lot of vehicle uh, convoys up and down doing training missions with the Afghan police out there. So it was a whole lot of nothing. It was a whole lot of hurry up and wait. Um, I mean, we did some good stuff. And that's actually what happened with uh, well, on October 31st in Helmand. And that leads into the, the, the publication date of this thing so uh halloween on 2009 was our first firefight with first platoon but it was the only one that we got into within the helmand area um besides the stuff that the advon party had gotten into prior right. and then in the book you talked about being in that river valley what we call the argon dob argon dob argon dob yeah. that that has taken the lot it's basically claimed the bodies of everyone who has failed to invade afghanistan from alexander the great to the british empire to the yeah. soviet army to now the american the now the american army so in some of the british uh military history books you can actually if you look up that valley and just type in like british army argon dob river valley you can there'll be you'll see hand-drawn illustrations because they didn't have cameras at the time and it's just wild to see because it's some of those same mountain ranges that we were under. It was just right. crazy to see, like, hey, this is the 1800s. And then in, you know, 1987, the Russians experienced, um, you know, between the Mujahideen and the Afghan people, uh, the Battle of Battle of the Argandov in 87. And they lost, like, an entire battalion um, in that particular region. And it was weird because like there's still remnants there. Like there was people using Russian hev heavy drop shoots that they drop equipment in from airplanes. Like they were using them as awnings. And like you'd see like an older an older guy um, with a Soviet officer belt on. And there's only one way you can get one of those. <laughs> so Mujahideen fighters and the, the terrain in the Argonaut was just totally different. You have anything from mountains to the desert climate to a lot of the farming land. So they had pomegranate orchards and uh fields that were just irrigated every night and stuff to where we could use them um sometimes you would you would muck through these fields because if there's water you can't put an ied in water uh, well at least initially they figured out some methods later on but what the argandop turned into uh was really just we were walking through landmine you know minefields day in day out while occasionally getting shot at it was um i met a lot of people and the guys there that went forward or the guys there that had been seasoned at that point uh some of the other soldiers and stuff they were like i've i've never experienced anything like this or or since you know it was um what a lot of them referred to as the meat grinder which is what you get the title damn the valley 
damn the best. So this is, it's all about the Argon Duck. I mean, the whole purpose of that book was meant to describe the rough air, the rough terrains of the Argon Dog Valley. It leads up to it, but yes, it's primarily covering everything in the Argon Dog. That's where everything that's all, I mean, that, that's basically, you know, because everyone throughout history, they keep saying uh, Afghanistan is like the one country they they have always failed to conquer. And I feel like because of the Argandab Valley, right? Uh, I don't, it, it's just mentality. The Afghan people are, I mean, I, there's good people, there's bad people. Um, there's some really good people there. And I'm, you know, I met some of them, uh, met some of the not so nice ones too, but what Afghan what Afghans do really well is they kind of band together um, when there's a common enemy, and they're really good about banding together in order to fight that common enemy. But once they're gone, they go back to um, you know that nomadic, tribal type thing where they're fighting amongst themselves. So it's kind of a it's a weird situation. Practically now, like with the Taliban ruling Afghanistan, it's a, a bit of a interesting scenario happening right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy to see some of this unfold um, in front of us. And like with us leaving, uh, what do those people have now as a, a version of hope? Because um, there was people that were glad to have us there. And yeah, there was people that weren't. Um, but I think it's really overall, you have Americans that go in there with, you have two sides of it. You know, you have soldiers that are just like, why am I here doing this? This isn't my fight. And then you have the ones that are like, hey, like they feel in their heart they're they're trying to protect these people or they're trying to give them a better way of life. Um, and I think that people can see that and it resonates with people and they know whether or not um, what your intentions and stuff are. And I know that the time that we were in the valley, you could definitely there was a definite shift in the public's perception on, on where we stood and what we were doing out there and they started talking to us and they started working hand in hand with us and some of this stuff right and that's actually when things got worse <laughs> and then now um since the return since the end of that battle like that time since the end of that tour in afghanistan when a lot of soldiers returned back especially veterans some of those people who made it back did certainly did suffer from ptsd so was it really true that some of them have had trouble trying to move on with their life after those after those incidents? You're gonna have anybody that has experienced trauma um, kind of have to face those hurdles and stuff. And some of those guys, I really think it's how you frame it. Is did you were you forged in that or were you broken from it? And it's how you look at it. And even if like some of those guys are having issues in life and everything right now. Really, a lot of it has to do with reaching out to your other buddies and you know, either talking to them through these stories and stuff. That was one of the greatest parts about writing this is talking to some of the guys that I hadn't been able to in the past. And I got feedback from some of them. And afterwards, you know, they were like, you know, it felt really good to talk about this and get it off my chest. I feel like I've been carrying a burden around with me. And if in that instance, you know, in, in some of that peer-to-peer -peer type therapy. I'm not saying I'm a counselor or anything by any means. I think that anybody should seek out help and stuff if they are having these issues. Yeah. But at least on that end is to open that door and be like, you know what, there is somebody who cares and listens, you know, and will talk with me about this. And so that, so what made you decide to write that book, Damn the Valley? So, uh, 
as we were leaving, one of the guys, Sir Robert Muscle, actually said something about it. He said, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to see a book with your name on it, on the cover. And I was like, well, there's no way. No way. That's not me. And he's like, oh, I swear. And here we are. <laughs> um, it was actually after another book was written uh, by the name of Bravo Company. Um, there was a Wall Street Journal writer by the name of Ben Kessling who wrote it. And he did a great job on it, but it didn't it didn't have everything in the book. Um, everybody wasn't represented. And where he got kind of the feel of the valley right, some of the guys just felt marginalized or like left out. And they're like, where's my story? Or where, you know, this stuff, um, he didn't cover this stuff. This is insane. Like there was so many different instances. And I'm like, guys, there's... He, you know, there's only so many pages in this thing. And even doing this from uh, a single platoon's view, you know, this is 28 men on a combat outpost um, to where the area was so saturated where the commander had to take this, you know, right around, right under number of 200 personnel, 200 soldiers out there doing a job. And he had to split us up by platoon element. So we ended up as a 28 man element on a combat outpost um in the middle of nowhere and even even with that uh coming at it from that end there was so many instances to where this is maybe a third of it of what actually happened there needs to be other books from the other platoons you know and the reason i was able to kind of put this out there like that is being the rto which is the radio transmission operator so i had the radio i carry the the one that reaches out to the command you know, and I'm telling them updates, hey, this is where we are. So I had to be on most every patrol. So you can kind of get a good picture of all the instances from that. And I think that's one of the only reasons I was able to get the pictures and stuff that I was able to, um, you know, that are featured in the book. But even then, it's not all me. Um, this came from a lot of the other guys' viewpoints and stuff. And it really developed into something that is a nonfiction historical account that is signed off on by the DOD and has been entered into the Library of Congress as such. And that's- so how, how do you, I was gonna ask this question because uh, how do you normally enter your book into the Library of Congress? So the Library of Congress is a heck of a lot easier than the DOD. And you can, um, you literally contact them. They have something on their page and I can get you the link afterwards in order to put that up for consideration. But I think the fact that I already had DOD certification and stuff on this, that kind of pushed it through with them as well. Okay. And so now that along with the book that you, that you, that you've written, you've also started this like marketing company where you're helping out, you've helped out several uh, businesses survive the COVID-19 pandemic. Could you like tell us more about that? What you're trying to build? Yeah. Um, a lot of the simple end on the, on that end was when I graduated on my undergrad from Towson university. Um, you know, I was headed going towards a corporate marketing job and COVID hit. So a lot of that stuff, a lot of those office jobs and everything else, a lot of them went remote. A lot of them put a hiring freeze on it and I had to kind of look and pivot, you know, it's like, all right, how can I be useful? How can I put these skills to use and, and be productive in the workforce? And it's like, well, small business doesn't have some of these big business opportunities and stuff. They don't know. Like it's easy enough to jump something onto Google My Business, it's free, you know, or write some AdWords copy. Uh, it doesn't take much to do that. And it was really 
bring these small businesses those opportunities or showing them how to um, set up an online menu for ordering, you know, or a delivery service and getting them integrated into all that stuff to help these guys survive and make it through. So do you, do you feel like what you've done with the book and also with your business, there's there like some sort of like a correlation to it? <laughs> it all ties. It's so crazy because I mean, really sometimes when you're doing stuff and you're just following the flow, um, you don't realize what's going on, you know, cause really, so five years prior to this one, I wrote another book, but I just never put it out. I was like, eh, it's good information. And it had to do with the transitioning from the military side to the civilian um, from that end. It was good information. I've helped out a lot of people along the way, kind of navigate the VA system or navigate the GI Bill um, in order to get them to where they want to be. Um, but really, yeah, you don't, you don't see it. Now I understand, you know, now it's like, wow, that's why that book was written five years ago. Five years ago, that's probably honestly the next project, um, <laughs> you know, because it's sort of being getting established within the veteran space that that'll be able to move forward and translate over for for the guys that are either reading this one or people will will know. Hey, you know, I know somebody. Um, pick this up, you know, because really it's a framework, it's a roadmap. Got it. And um, what's the uh big vision with what you're trying to with the, with the book that you write are you trying to like spread the awareness of com of these major issues that happened during war it's a little bit between that uh it's some of it is establishing that historical record that the guys wanted um some of them are like my family doesn't understand what i went through or some of them have kids and you know they might be in a broken family and stuff and they're just like they just don't get it and part of that was giving them giving them something to where they could put on the shelf or could give to other people that hey you know what take a walk in my shoes and and see what i faced on uh or what i had faced at one time so it's be it's between you know establishing a record for them um getting other guys to talk out you know there's a project with this to where i've been talking to some other organizations and trying to get something set up to where it's a non-traditional book reading to where I want to get some guys around campfire events. That's love the outdoors, do a camping trip maybe, or, or something just, just out away from everybody else to talk about some of the stories in here and then be like, Hey, anybody else want to share? I think they might make a feature film just like what they did with American Sniper. <laughs> it's, uh, I gotta say my LinkedIn has definitely, uh, I've had some, some hits from Netflix and some of the other people out there. So it's very possible that's coming. <laughs> Always let me know if you need any, any help with that. <laughs> no, I, hey, you know what? Any, any help on that? But like, I, I never, I never discount, you know, the help that people uh, put out there. And it's crazy when you start seeing like my old first sergeant in that book who uh, retired as a command sergeant major, you know, he, he actually did some acting in a film as well as uh, our old battalion command sergeant major that was at the at the point in the book he uh he did um so he's in the film industry he actually did some stuff with the patriot mel gibson all the prop end of things and so what the message that you're sending how do you how will you regarding you know one thing about the military is that if you send people to combat they come back with negative with a lot of negative stories but how do they how do how does your 
is there like a way where you can either encourage people to join the military or discourage people to join the military like is there like one of those moments you know what you're and it, you'll see it in this book you you have some absolute terrible times but you have some of the best times that you've ever had and those guys any of the guys that served with and were over there with if you call them on the phone or you start talking with them it's like it's like you just talked the other day that type of brotherhood and that camaraderie that's there that's built in it's something great and it's really what you make of it so really this book doesn't discourage or encourage at all it's really laying out hey this is what happened you can make up your own mind, you know okay and so what was your experience like going through that transition from military to civilian life that one that was that was rough that was rough and at the time quite honestly i didn't see i see more now why um because i almost faced every roadblock that you hear about there um you know tried going for uh the last eight months i kind of recycled back into the uh, regular army and finished out my last eight months in the 82nd so right back where i had started and between trying to interview for jobs and having to deal with command you know on that end um, I, I really, I rotated back into what you would consider a toxic command structure and having to deal with that and try to get my own successful transition out of the military and the benefits that were allotted me or go through all of the hoops with the VA for the different, um, examinations and stuff that they had over there. It was tough. And, um, let's see my, so my first job. I had was actually right back into the automotive world and that was fired day one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fired, fired on day one <laughs> fired on day one it's an hilarious hilarious story i'm not going to mention the name of the of the um company but i'll, I'll tell you this story you're going to love this uh, other marylanders are probably going to that's it no more buying this book but <laughs> so um i was working on a customer's car and no one had told me that the ceiling was a little bit lower where this thing was. And it ended up um, being the grandson of Johnny Unitas, the football player. <laughs> and I put this thing up in the air to do some maintenance stuff. And I guess what had happened, I didn't know it at first, but it scrunched the hood <laughs> of the car up on the ceiling of this. Uh, There's a beam that came across and it just... It, squish that in so I, the boss that was it i mean he looked at it looked at that and he was just like you're done <laughs> that's it i can't even i just have to fire you on sheer principle so then that's where it kind of rotated into um we started to look at other possibilities and ultimately the gi bill i was like you know i, I need to put some education under my belt get back out into the workforce and, and finish up that college degree um and sort of if anything use that time to it's two and a half years so uh, that I finished business school and so use that time to kind of um, find my path from there as well. Well, cool. and so where do you see yourself going with this uh, book and everything what you're building in, the, in these coming years? Really? Uh, that other book's got to get out there in order to help other guys but there's really that sense of purpose in helping out other veterans and, and helping out some of the guys that I was with like in particular. Um, man, I mean this thing goes to the movie industry I've, I've already networked in with a lot of people but i'd love to get those guys onto you know crew jobs and stuff 
you know, yeah, they're not actors and stuff, but um, that type of uh, movie movie set. If you've ever been on a movie set, it's very, I mean, long hours. It's, it's rough stuff. It's chaotic. It's it pretty, is. It's like everyone yelling, well, basically call everyone yelling at one another. But it's the closest thing that I've found to the military environment too, like with some of that stuff. And I'm like, man, these guys are, are built for this. <laughs> All right, sounds yeah, sounds good, William. So I think we're running out of time right now. Uh, I think if I think that's I think it was good that you're able to give out that story of down is it down damn the valley? Yeah. And do we want to go over where people can find it? Yeah. <laughs> I think you know you can yeah where where do you normally yeah, I was just gonna ask like where do you where do you normally can look for that book? So um, you can get it on Amazon. Barnes and Noble picked it up for in store. I have a whole bunch of um, I try to hit the indie bookstores too. Like really, that's who I'm trying to support through this. Yes, Amazon. We love Amazon um, for the convenience, but I hate Amazon for the corporate end of things. To so where it's just like this they're pushing a lot of these independent bookstores out of the business. So if you go to damnthevalleybook.com, um, I have on there, I have local bookstores listed uh, and I have a few other methods. There's uh, I think there's bookshop. I have the Amazon link. I have the Barnes and Noble link, um, but I have where you can get it in store. And then there's going to be some other events coming like the November 11th event in Fayetteville, North Carolina at the Airborne Special Operations Museum. They're uh, the flag from the front cover of the book was actually recovered by one of the guys. Yep. And we're doing a dedication of that at the museum, as well as some other artifacts and stuff that the other guys brought forward to be on display there from the actual, you know, time time frame in the book. Pretty cool. Very cool, William. Thank you so much for coming on the Next in Time podcast and looking forward to seeing how your book will make a ma major impact among the, amongst the military. All right. Thanks for having me, man. It's been great. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Next in Time podcast. We hope you enjoyed diving into the intriguing vision of our guest today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to stay updated on future episodes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring.